Welcome to On Thursdays We Thrive podcast. We are licensed therapists here on Long Island, New York. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to anyone considering starting therapy and to fight the stigma of mental health through a millennial lens. Even though we are licensed therapists, our podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not a replacement for individual psychotherapy. To book a session with us, head on down to longislandteletherapy.com. So have a seat and get ready to thrive, learn, explore, and grow with us. Welcome back to another episode of On Thursdays We Thrive. I'm Liana. And I'm Sam. And today we're going to be talking about the disease of addiction and the family's roles in recovery. And this is something I'm extremely passionate about uh, because it's something that I've got into the field of addiction right out of grad school and in my internship. And I still specialize in addiction and, you know, the topic of how important it is for the family to be involved and maybe like what roles we, they play since it is a family disease. And we thought it would be a great opportunity to have licensed marriage and family therapist, Courtney Hulse from Mountainside here. She is the program manager at Mountainside Treatment Center in Huntington. Courtney has been in, addiction, in the addiction field for over 13 years and has worked with individuals, couples, families, adolescents, and adults in residential, day treatment, intensive outpatient, outpatient, and private practice settings. With a systemic approach to treatment, Courtney recognizes the importance of involving family in the parallel recovery process, both in achieving sustained systemic shifts as well as in the healing process of each family member. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're so excited for you to be here. Thank you. I am as well. So we do a segment on our podcast that involves glows and grows. So your glow is something that is positive throughout your week, something that you'd like to share. And grow is something that we're actively working toward and just, or that may be a struggle for us. So... Liana, do you want to start us off? Yeah, yeah, Okay, <laughs> I'll start. So my grow, because I'll start with that first because it came to my head first. My grow is that I found that I was kind of overbooking myself. And this, was is, something we, <laughs> this is something we touched on in our people-pleasing episode, uh-huh. but overbooking myself. And it, it's so hard to keep track mm-hmm. of everything going on in the weekends. So. Yeah. I actually found, I, I ended up downloading the Google Calendar and I was able to sync not only um, like things that I do on the weekends and plans that we have, but also my my sessions, like my private practice sessions into the calendar. Because during the week, since I work from home and do the pri- private practice from home, I will make do errands during the week. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I have a session. I can't do that. So... I was able to sync it all in one place. And uh, my husband and I, we also downloaded a calendar for us to like both have access to. I love it. (laughs) So um, that's been really, really helpful. So I think it's just not taking on too much and that like, I don't have to say yes to everything and Mm -hmm. keeping more track because things can happen so quickly. Um, And then my glow has been... Um, I would say partaking in more like doctor's appointments, like doing my eye exam I did this this um, this week. So uh, of course, also because I got new health insurance after getting married, so it's a very good health insurance. So I'm kind of taking advantage, but that's okay. Um, so I went to the dentist, just like, you know, health. Hashtag health. Wow. Yeah, I feel like 
did you just get inside my head and like take my glow and grow? <laughs> I, know, I saw your face. Like, I'm like, <laughs> what did you just do? Is that like a therapy thing? Like you can get inside people's head? Yeah, yeah. Why, um, what, what's your glow and grow? <clears throat> okay, well, my grow is, again, I still <laughs> am overbooking myself, but not as much now. And I bought a planner like a legitimate like written planner. Well, nice. um, but I am going to look into that Google Calendar thing. My friends and I have like linked our <laughs> calendars at one oh, point too cuz like nice. no one could ever like agree on a time that they were all not busy. So we've I've utilized that before kind of faded, but um having the planner and then I'm growing and putting my personal life and my sessions in there. Um it definitely is helping me stay a little bit more organized and just also set myself up for the week. Cause the, as the weekend comes or whatever, I'm like, what is it that I have to do when I get it? And it just kind of helps me feel prepared. So I'm getting more organized with that. Um, and less, you know, overbooking and kind of making decisions around how do you prioritize certain people or things in the right areas. So that's my grow. Um, my glow was going to be that I finally started going to the doctor's appointments I've been putting off, but I'll use, I'll say that. And also just the glowing part of becoming more organized. And I feel like this week was a little bit easier for me because of that yet harder. So, um, yeah, that's That's great. What a huge progress. I mean, wow. Our glows and grows were kind of aligned. That's crazy. Hanging out too much. Yeah. Yeah. We need to like separate. No, I think so. Um, Courtney, what what are your glows and grows? So I'm definitely recognizing a theme here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was, you know, coming in. Okay. Well, um, you know, because the funny thing is like, so this has been like the week for me to like like not even just schedule, but like actually like go to those doctor's appointments and those dental visits and things like that. So um, that have like, you know, we put it off. um, I mean, especially during, um, you know, last year with like the pandemic, you know, everything kind of just fell to the wayside. We were just sort of in, um, you know, kind of crisis mode trying to manage. And, um, you know, so, um, you know, I've actually found like, I guess my, I'll start with again, my, um, my grow has been that, you know, uh, you know, being in this field, like we, you know, we, we take care of everybody else. Um, also, you know, having a family and children, it's, you know, um, making sure that everyone is looked after. So, um, I have definitely been, um, a bit, um, I don't want to say like, you know, negligent of my own self-care, but I'll just say it's definitely, it hasn't been a priority for some time. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, so that has been like my, my, my grow is, you know, making sure that, um, I am, um, you know, treating myself as a priority, taking uh, care of myself and really just, you know, being consistent and practicing um, self-care and whatever that looks like, um, yeah. you know, at that time. And it could look like, you know, doctor's appointments. It could look like, you know, getting organized with bills. It could be, you know, getting a massage, um, yeah. um, you know, reading a good book or something like that. So that's definitely, you know, an area um, like that's my, that's my grow. And um, my glow is actually that like, you know, this week I was like, I kind of hit the ground running with that. So, um, you know, maybe a couple of appointments, you know, attended a couple of appointments, um, you know, uh, planned my son's birthday party, you know, things like that. And like, really just like checking, you know, like big yes, the ticket boxes. items. Yeah. Off. And it just feels really good to do that. So definitely, I'm definitely you know, recognizing a, a theme here with us. Um, yeah. We're all prioritizing our health a little bit more. 
maybe yeah. we hit a wall and we're all getting sick because it's <laughs> getting to be winter. We're like, maybe I should do something about it. No, but that's so great that like that feeling I always tell clients, like it's that feeling of just like scratching something off your list is so nice. However, if we overload the list, it can be too um intimidating and mm-hmm. we might procrastinate it. So it's like interesting that we all finally are like attending to that list, maybe for our health in that way. So that's awesome. I love the self-care. Yeah. And I love that you said that no matter how big or small, like it could even just be like, I made my bed today and like, wow, it felt that felt really good because maybe I just haven't been making it for the last week or so. And I'm not speaking about myself at all. So (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. Uh, All righty. So when we come back, we're going to talk about well, one, what is addiction and how is it a disease? We're going to talk about a little science around that. And then family's roles in that. And I guess like how the family can navigate when their loved one is suffering from addiction. So stay tuned. All right, Courtney. So from a neurological standpoint, how would you say like the brain system is affected for each member of the family? Okay. Um, so in relation to addiction, I think when we're looking at the individual who is in active addiction, mm-hmm. um, I think the biggest thing to note is, um, we, you know, we use the, the term like hijacked, how like your brain is hijacked, mm-hmm. um, you know, during addiction. Um, so what we look at is, you know, the, the, the chemical or the substance that one is using, um, you know, during active addiction, what it does is it raises the dopamine levels um, to a um, to a, a point that we ourselves, like our brains are not capable of producing organically. Um, so what that ends up doing is, um, you know, basically um, it produces this high that is not otherwise achievable without the substance. Um, and mm. over time, we need more and more of the substance um, in order to, you know, kind of um, get that same type of feeling, that same high. Um, you kind of hear people talking about like, you know, chasing that that first high. Yeah. Um, and it takes, you know, more and more. We know obviously that that's called, you know, tolerance change. Uh, and over time without the substance, um, because we, we were looking specifically at dopamine levels, that, um, uh, you know, the things that we would normally find enjoyable no longer are enjoyable um, without mm-hmm. the substance because our brain hasn't had to really produce dopamine itself. It's been, you know, sort of um, relying on the substance in order to do it for or the brain. So without the substance, uh, you know, we often feel very agitated, very lethargic, depressed, and the things that we would find enjoyable, like, you know, um, spending time with our family, going out with friends, it's no longer fun because we um, are sort of at this like dopamine deficit, so to speak. Um, So, you know, it's sort of this... um, the cycle that just sort of perpetuates itself. So in order to feel good, we need the substance. Mm-hmm. And then when we don't have the substance, we feel really bad, but our brain never really gets to um, be able to get to that um, organic state um, as long as we kind of continue that pattern of use. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, specifically like, you know, one of the things that's happening um, with the um, the addicted brain. And in terms of, you know, um, uh, when you, you asked about the family members that, um, I mean, you know, when we talk about addiction, um, it's just, there's so much there and it's so deep. Um, so when we're looking at, you know, um, specific, you know, chemicals in the brain, when we're looking at like serotonin, um, adrenaline, you know, cortisol, um, I mean, like these were all being affected, you know, during the course of, um, you know, a loved one's, you know, uh, addiction. And, um, one of the things to also note is, um, the chemical, um, oxytocin, 
which is like the that like the like the, the love chemical. Um, you know, you hear about it when you know mothers give birth to their children, the rush of oxytocin. Um, but it also is not just you know for you know a parent and a child, but it's also for um, romantic relationships. And what oxytocin does um, during the the course of you know um, active addiction for the loved ones is it um, it decreases. And this oxytocin, um, like I said before, is that like that that love chemical, that love drug. Um, and it's also a buffer for stress. So mm. now you like you you don't have this oxytocin at the levels that would um, you know help you manage stress um, on you know a very like you know like a organic baseline um, whatever like normal looks like level. Um, so you don't have that anymore. So the way that you're handling stress um, is 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 different. Um, it's a bit mm. more difficult to do that. You also don't have that um, that love chemical as much as you you once did. Um, you have you know a, adrenaline and cortisol and the stress levels up. Um, and there's like, I think there's something to be said about, you know, um, you know, like being traumatized through this experience, yes, you know? definitely. whether it's, you know, um, a significant other, whether it is a, a child, whether it is a parent, whether it's a, fa- you know, a friend, um, that it's just, um, I mean, when we talk about, you know, addiction, we really are talking, like life or death at times. So like, you know, it, it, it can be um, a very traumatizing experience for the family members. So it really does just sort of wreak havoc in um, one's brains and one's bodies. Um, and when we're looking at addiction and the, the person um, who is in active addiction themselves, we really do see it through this biopsychosocial model mm-hmm. um, where there's- Can you explain points. that to people who don't understand what that is? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, there's um, so there's a biological component to it. So like a person's biology, um, a psychological component. So you know the psychological dependence, um, you know, on the substance, um, and then the the social aspect of it too. So looking at mm-hmm. you know um, you know environmental factors that um, you know can perpetuate um, uh, the addiction itself. Yeah, so we really people, places, and things. Yes. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Great. That was a great description. And it's so interesting to hear how it's not just the addict or alcoholic's brain that gets impacted by the use of drugs and alcohol, but mm-hmm. the, I mean, the, what goes on for the brain of the family members as well through yeah. the process, because there's so many ups and downs, the stress levels. So this kind of ties right into, like, I hear so many people, the family members, and you probably hear it too, say like, well, why do I have to go to treatment? Like, I'm just right. sending my loved one, my daughter, son, parent, whomever, to therapy, what, what, I'm fine. It's I a family need, disease. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you tell family members who say that to you? No, so it, it's, um, it's, so it's, it's not so much about, you know, the, the loved one even, it's really about like, this is your time to heal. Mm-hmm. Like so much has gone on for you. And I can't even imagine, um, you know, from, you know, you know, the, the, the stress around the clock to, you know, adapting your life, you know, around, you know, around fear, around stress, around your loved one, around this addiction, um, you know, putting yourself last, you know, carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders for how long. Um, and this is sort of a, a, a time to kind of say, like, here's, here's the sum of this weight. Like, yeah. and there's other people that can, you know, kind of take that on for you and let you exhale and let you, you breathe and just, um, you know, like I said, just really, you know, heal. So what it does for the family members is it gives you, um, a place and a space to be able to do that, to, to feel supported, to feel heard, to feel prioritized, which again, I mean, could be uncomfortable because for so long 
it probably wasn't the case. Yeah, you know? the focus um, is probably on the other person for so right. long. Right. Um, so it really like allows that process to happen. Um, and while the, their loved one is in, you know, treatment, um, like the, their loved one is, is changing and, and yep. shifting. And, you know, we talk about a parallel process at times where it's, you know, the family members shifting together, um, you know, so that they can adapt to the changes together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's sort of a twofold process. It's one so that that, that that individual, that family member can heal themselves. Um, and in doing so, it helps create this, um, this systemic shift within the family that is um, sustainable um, and they can work through the, the change together. Yes. Yes. And I know as like a marriage and family therapist and in working in family systems theory, Mm -hmm. it's not just about the one person healing. It's the entire system, like the entire system going from drugs and alcohol and maybe enabling or whatever the case is. How are we assisting that? Yes. Like recovery completely as a whole team. So like you said earlier about like the boundaries or enabling or codependence. So like, how does a family work with the loved one entering recoveries? I think a lot of the questions are, well, what role do I play, right? Like they might be entering healing, but like, should they give them money to go out? Should they give them a ride? Should they let them stay with with them in their home? Like what stances do you feel like work best and how do you differentiate that? It's a really good question. It's a really difficult question to answer because everybody's different. Every, you know, person's Mm -hmm. different. Family situation is different and and need is different. Um, You know, when I'm working with an individual or a family in treatment, um, you know, I really look at what, so if I'm working with a family member, like what is, like, what is your comfort level? Um, What is your boundary? What is it that you're looking for? I really want the family members to feel, you know, um, comfortable being themselves um, and, and, you know, kind of using the time in therapy themselves to kind of explore, like, what is it that I need? What is it that I'm looking for? What is it that I am comfortable with? Um, you know, how do I experience it? How do I feel it? What am I looking for from my, my partner, you know, my child, my parent, you know, so really like, you know, use that time for sort of self-exploration um, to kind of get to know oneself and to feel comfortable with that. Um, and, you know, in working with the, the loved one that's in treatment um, and, and having a conversation, you know, about what that looks like. Um, you know, so it's, it's kind of, um, it's hard to say, cause I don't think there's really a clear cut definitive answer that this is going to work for everybody. Because right. I do think that um, it really just depends on, it depends on the, 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 the client or the, the person who's in, you know, the recovery process and um, the family members as well and what their level of comfort is. I think, um, you know, it's, um, I think that's also one of the reasons why it's so important to really have family involved in the process is because there's no set, like, do this, this is 100% going to work for you. We really want to hear from the family members. Um, I think that, you know, when it comes to you know, setting boundaries and things like that, you know, trust is a big component um, in this process. And I think, you know, the trust, you know, kind of goes without being said has been, you know, hurt over time. So it's about, you know, identifying how to reestablish trust again, and what that looks like, um, what the the person who's in recovery um, can do in order to get and earn that trust back and how the family members over time, um, what it would look like for them to start trusting again, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in a safe way. And whether it's like, you know, money to go out, you know, whether it's, you know, um, you know, um, seeing friends, whether it's, you know, doing X, Y, or Z, but I think it's sort of this, um, this fluid 
um, ongoing conversation. With I was going to say, um, just the money thing kind of reminded me that it's not just substance use that, you know, gambling is a issue too. And like allowing money back in. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, I, Leon, I know you work primarily with substance use. Uh, Courtney, do you work with other addiction as well? Um, I think that, so there's, um, there's a couple of different types of um, addiction or, um, uh, yeah, I guess we can call them addiction, like that kind of affects the brain similarly. So like I know with like substance use that, you know, um, eating disorders, if you look at like brain imaging, it sort of looks um, like pretty pretty similar in nature. Um, and I know that, um, you know, gambling is something that there is definitely more of a, a focus now on, um, you know, um, assessing for, you know, gambling, uh, addiction and disorders, um, and treatment of. So we do, um, we do see it and, you know, um, and it doesn't always necessarily look like, you know, going to a casino, but it could be even, you know, the ups and downs of, yeah. So it could be like that, you know, that, um, I've had clients who, um, you know, really struggle with even like, um, like even just like day trading, you know, the, the yeah. highs and lows of that and not being able to shut it off. And, you know, you know, so it really, um, you know, all of this is, you know, we, we definitely take a look at like the big picture of like what is happening with an individual within their systems with, um, um, you know, and, and different, um, you know, areas of their life as well. So, um, gambling being one that we, do, you know, assess for and, um, that we do work with them on, um, you know, um, you know, kind of the recovery process around that as well. But we are again, um, you know, primarily a, um, a drug and alcohol treatment program. So when you say that's, you know, an awesome, uh, way of putting it all. And when you say the mention of like, just understanding the systems, I know we kind of just touched on it, but more specifically, how can you, explain to our listeners how the system, how family systems theory would work within the scope of the families you've worked with? Like, what have you seen? Sure. Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. So I, um, so when you think of a, like a family system, um, everyone sort of has like a, like a part in it, not necessarily like a role, um, but you know, we can, we can call it that. Um, but we're used to just functioning in a certain way. And over time, as addiction begins to develop, what happens is that like there are these subtle shifts that start to happen um, with like each family member. So you might see, you know, the person who is, um, you know, developing an addiction may start to shift in one direction. And a parent, if I'm talking about, you know, an adolescent client, say for instance, and a parent might start to then respond a little bit differently. So then their actions shift as well um, because say, you know, this one parent's actions shift, then their spouse's, you know, actions may shift yes. as well. You might see, you know, a sibling who was like, oh, okay, I see this kind of happening. They start to shift, you know, as well. So like, and over time, these subtle shifts, um, and if you're looking, you know, um, you know, at a certain time frame, over time, it really does um, become significant where like, because you don't notice the small little shifts until like, you're like, you kind of look back and you're like, oh my gosh, how did we get here? So when you, you know, um, when you have the person who's in recovery and if you can just kind of picture, you know, taking them out of that system for a second and we're working with them to, to shift again. And now if we think about like, all right, so we're shifting that person, let's put them back into the family system. Only family system is like, well, we're just used to operating in this, this is how we were operating before, like in this last way. But the thing is that the before, the most recent way, but prior to that person uh, coming into the recovery process, that was perpetuating 
some of the, yes. the addiction. I'm not saying there's a cause of it, but like, it's just like, you know, you like everything was sort of, um, uh, like revolving around the addiction, so to speak. Right. Right. So then it's, um, you know, when you're looking at family systems, so it, it's about like every kind of person shifting and I'm not saying, you know, like it's the responsibility of the family members right. to, you know, have to, to do this or to do that, but it definitely, it, it certainly helps because it can be a little bit of a shock when, the person who's in recovery kind of steps back into the system and they're shifted yeah. and they're, you know, if you can just picture like, like they're shaped differently, you yes. know, and they may no longer, like, it just doesn't feel right because, um, all of a sudden there's this significant change with this individual and then the family members don't really know what to do with it. You know? Right. Um, right. so that's part of like the, like, you know, the family systems theory is, you know, the entire system sort of shifting together. There is this balance, there is this process that everyone is used to. Um, and in order for it to kind of maintain some degree of balance or, or homeostasis, it's like for the entire system, the, like the entire family to kind of shift. And obviously we're looking for it to be in a healthy direction. And, you know, that's such a great point to bring up and just understanding like th- what came to mind when you were just explaining that is also like what we see or what people might say is like, you know, not such a big deal at first. Okay. They're, they're doing fantasy football or, you know, they're doing something online like that, or they experimented with marijuana once or, you know, whatever it is, some things are just normalized and some things are looked down upon by other families. So it's like, what are we willing to like, what extent are we letting it get to? And how are we, like we said earlier, like who's the enabler? So enabling Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, also, because I'm not super specializing in this as much as you guys are, but just in my experience of, you know, are we providing money still? Are we also, you know, ignoring it if we see certain prices go up or um, are we not restricting? What if it's like a teen, right? Um, Kind of having an idea of where they're going, who they're spending time with, um, And I think that would also serve, though, to their own recovery, like the family's recovery and 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 like the family gaining treatment of their own. They'll be able to learn how to cope with the person's own recovery. So, Courtney, can you just, you know, think back to things that you've heard in the past or in sessions and what could you discredit as far as myths around this area? Um, sure. So yeah, um, so that's a really good question. Um, I think that, so to stand out and I'll, I'll speak, you know, um, to the individual in the recovery process, um, and, and, and then one to the family. So I think, um, you know, a myth has sort of, um, been that, um, addiction is sort of a, like a moral dilemma, um, and Mm. it's a a choice and, um, you know, just to kind of, you know, discredit or debunk that, um, you know, there's a lot of science that has gone into the study of addiction. Um, and, um, it's, it is literally not about, you know, like a moral, like I said, like a moral dilemma or, um, you know, even choice. I mean, I've had clients who have said like, I, like, I know that this is my stop. Like I, I just have to get yeah. out and, and go back into, you know, my wife or this, he's like, and, and it, I just keep going. And then I, I, and then I'm, I'm, I'm at the bar before I know it, or I'm at the liquor store. And, um, you know, there's, you know, a, again, it really is this hijacking of the brain. When we look at the chemicals, um, you know, what, what's happening, mm-hmm. um, in the ad- addicted brain that really support that. So just see in terms of, you know, debunking or discrediting the myth that it's, you know, like, um, it's a moral issue, um, or yeah. 
hundred percent agree. I mean, that goes into like step one of like, we're powerless over our addiction, right? Like being powerless over it. And I think a lot of times people in recovery deem that as even a moral issue. And it's like, you just like can't, like we don't have control. And I think it's a lot about letting go of control. So a lot of acceptance there, but I, I really like that you said that. And a lot of what I'm hearing you guys say is, and what I've heard from other people is like, just stop, like just snap out of it. And same thing with the mental illness. Like, you can't, you can't just snap out of it. It's not that easy. So that was a great myth to debunk. Thank you. Yeah. Like just, just don't be depressed anymore. Okay. Thank you. I'm yeah. Okay. Th- thanks so much. Don't be my favorite <laughs> is, Oh my God, don't be sad. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so hey. cured now. Oh, thank, you. thank you. I'm going to so give you my I'm, license. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, now I'm sad and now I've got the guilt and the shame on top of that because I am feeling this way and I know that you don't want me to, and I really exactly. can't do anything about it because it's a feeling right now. So yeah, it's, um, yeah. So that, I mean, so, so that's, um, so that's the first one. And then, um, another one that comes to mind is, you know, um, it, the, the, the field in general, everything needs to be very, you know, like, you know, tough love, you know what I mean? Like somebody has got to hit rock bottom and, um, and I'm not, you know, again, there's no cookie cutter, you know, um, this works for everybody. Yeah. Um, but just in terms of, you know, kind of looking at like, you know, you have to throw the person out, throw them on the street that might work for some. Um, but like, I want to debunk the myth myth or, or just credit the myth that like that has to be the case. Um, or, what we see is that like that might work for some and right. it might not work for others, you know? So there are a lot of studies looking at, you know, um, the importance of, you know, connection, meaningful connection, support, you know, family, um, you know, in, in the recovery process. So, you know, for the individuals where that works for them, then, you know, certainly throwing them out on the street and not giving them anything um, in terms of, you know, love support um, and just, you know, cutting oneself off from them um, is probably what that person wouldn't need. And again, it might work for some. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that there is a right or wrong answer to that. I think that there's a right or wrong answer for the individual. Right. I agree with that because of course, every situation like anything else is individualized and um, different from one another. So of course, if, you know, it's ruining the whole family and people's lives are at risk, you know, whatever the extent is, um, that's a choice they have to make. But I like that you brought that, that it doesn't have to be that way. That's not the only way to make it work, that there is a way to actually support them and have empathy for them and try to be with them, as we learned in this episode, in therapy and, you know, have this be all of our issue and heal and recover from it. Right, which is so important to going and working with a, a licensed professional in this because we're how would we know what's going to work for our specific family, right? So like having that accountability, having that guide through the process, um, really, really important myth to debunk. So yes. thank you. Um, this has been so fun. I'm glad that we, well, I don't know if this topic is fun, but I love learning about, (laughs) I love learning about this stuff and I could talk about it forever. So, um, but when we come back, we're going to get into some fun rapid fires. This part will be fun. Okay. (laughs) All righty. Let's get into some rapid fires. Courtney. So as we're approaching the holiday season, we felt like these would be very appropriate. So when do you feel like it is appropriate to decorate for Christmas, either before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving? What do you do? 
Um, okay. So I, I finally, whatever works for you, like, mm-hmm. like listen to your heart. I know that's like a therapist thing, but just, you know, I don't think that there's necessarily a right or wrong. Again, I think there's a right and wrong for like each person and family. Um, you know, so I have, you know, for me, um, I have, I have little kids and I love just having, um, just like joy spread out around everything. So like, you know, it, um, it, it kind of just like works with, um, like just with, with the timing. So I don't really have like a set, like this is when we have to do it. I just really kind of, you know, um, you know, kind of get the energy from my kids and, you know, yeah. when it's that time and, um, you know, uh, it'll probably be, it'll probably be soon. I can kind of tell that they're, um, they're looking for some holly jolly decorations. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. so exciting when you have like little ones around, it like brings it, the Christmas spirit back yeah. or whatever, or whatever you celebrate the holiday season. Yes. Yeah. Nostalgic. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the next question, Thanksgiving coming up, right? So do you bake or fry your turkey? Um, I've actually never had fried turkey, but I would be interested in giving it a try. Um, I'm, um, I've only ever had, you know, baked turkey. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I feel like it's very easy. I love the way that the house smells when yes, and, yes. Um, Thanksgiving just happens to be one of my favorite holidays because I just love the food. Um, I'm a bit, yeah, I just, um, well, I like food in general. Um, but it's just like really nice and comforting. So, um, I would, I would go with baked, but, um, you know, I, I'd be open to, you know, trying fried turkey. And, um, if somebody wanted to show me how to go about doing that, by all means, I, I'd give it a shot. Can't promise what the outcome's going to be. Yeah, I'm dying yeah. at your responses. They are such a therapist answer. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm really open to anything, like anyone, yeah. whatever anyone wants. <laughs> I knew, I knew uh, someone that um, actually wrapped the turkey in bacon and then fried it. Well, that sounds very well. I, that sounds delicious. My daughter oh. would be all about that. She's going to turn like, she's just like, like bacon. Like, and she's like the tiniest little thing ever. <laughs> so cute. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, can't wait for Thanksgiving. Um, so what is your favorite way to recharge? Um, I, lo- I love traveling. Um, I'm like, I just, uh, I don't know, like it just new experiences, new scenery. Um, and it doesn't have to be anything big, but just like a little getaway, even if it's like a day, you know, um, just going like upstate for a hike, just like, you know, mm-hmm. trying out like a, like a different beach or just going somewhere, um, new and it's just, um, it's exciting. Just a little trip. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, absolutely. I, I should definitely involve myself in that somehow. <laughs> I like that. We're actually going to Boston in a couple of weeks to like oh. get a change in scenery also, because it's like, Hey, let's just drive somewhere and, and change get it away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. Last question. Movie or a book that inspires you? So I, um, so basically any type of um, book that I'm reading that has something to do with the field, like I love it. Like any type of book or even like when I go to training, I'm just like so inspired. I'm like, oh, I just can't wait to like knowledge. And it's just, um, you know, I just, yeah, I I don't know. It just really does inspire me as a whole. And then in terms of, you know, movies that, um, that inspire me, um, I would say, um, It sounds silly, but um, I loved Frankie Forrester. It's just one of those feel-good movies that I could watch over and over again. It's just really inspirational. Um, Remember the Titans and then... um, I know. Fan favorite. I never saw saw Finding Forrester, but remember... Me either, but I saw Remember the Titans. Oh, please watch it. Okay. okay. <laughs> I know. And then Sean Connery, and then his voice is like butter too. And um, you can't... 
cannot like him. So, um, but it really is. It's just, it's a, it's a really good movie. And I love um, literature and English and things. And it's got, a, you know, a theme to that as well. And um, I'll check a, that out. Yeah. So thank you, Courtney. Yes. Thank you so much. How can people find you? And I guess, how can they find more information about Mountainside? Well, um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, and if people want to uh, learn more about Mountainside, um, you can visit us online at www.mountainside.com. Um, and if you want to reach me, um, my number here at Mountainside is 631-759-5028. And my email address is Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y dot Hulse, H-U-L-S like Sam, E at Mountainside.com. Great. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and we hope to see you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And I of hope you guys course. have a wonderful holiday season. Enjoy Boston. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our channel. And you can follow us on Instagram at, at on Thursdays We Thrive. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of On Thursdays We Thrive. We love learning and growing with you each Thursday. If you enjoy listening to us, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. To connect with us on Instagram, you can follow at On Thursdays We Thrive. On Thursdays We Thrive is a partnership between Liana Ross, Sam Triani, and Gooding Wellness, LCSWPC. If you are in New York and would like to speak with a therapist directly or to one of us, head on down to longislandteletherapy.com or goodingwellness.com. Keep thriving.